0: Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they cracked the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes.
1: But when his number was called, seven got six. <laughs>
2: What's up? And welcome to Spoko Radio, presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. With me, as always, it's football, Jerry. Jerry,
1: how's it going with the Premier League? This is not a Liverpool podcast, correct? (laughs) It is not. You are incorrect. Well, go Reds. You'll never walk alone, and you'll never walk alone into Kinnick Stadium either.
2: If this was a football podcast, a Liverpool podcast, we wouldn't have our third co-host, the people's
0: champ, <laughs> David Johnson. Champ, how are you doing? Uh, I am not a soccer fan, but I am doing great because baseball is finally going to be back. So that's exciting after that long, grueling, moronic process between the owners and players. But more importantly, we're going to talk some Hawkeye D-line this week, and that excites me.
1: Yes, Most we importantly, are. we are not a baseball podcast still, Still, thank God.
2: Yes. Jer, we'd lose Jare. We'd, we'd lose Champ if it was the Premier League, and we lose jerry if it was baseball. So we, we, we find common ground on the Iowa Hawkeyes. So reminder, guys, you subscribe to the podcast. wherever you guys get your podcast, follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. We're going to kick off the show with the outside zone this week off of baseball's news that they're resuming. Baseball's 60-game season is the equivalent of a four-game college football season. So if you had to pick four teams for Iowa to play in a shortened season, what would the schedule look like to maximize both your entertainment level for the season and Iowa's chances of making the playoff? Champ, we'll start with you.
0: Well, I did this a little bit differently than I think you both may have. I took four games from their schedule this season, and I made it a four-game schedule of what I thought would be not only no, that's I, the rules okay that i didn't know for sure i, I actually did. i didn't do that yeah that, so fuck oh, you jerry oh, there you go see there it is
1: wow so, early f-bomb don't
0: come don't come at me so early in the show simmer down that's what happens
1: there. when we take a week off
0: yeah we got our juices flowing this week so my four games i will go i started with uh, the home game versus iowa state i think that's going to be a staple i think hope i don't know if we're all going to have that but I thought that would be a great way to start the season, a little non-conference action against the Cyclones. They're supposed to be pretty good this year, so that's probably going to they're be supposed a,
2: to be pretty good every year, Chad. Very
0: true. You know, the, Purdy. The, the Purdy love this year is getting a little crazy, but I'm assuming they're probably going to be ranked preseason. So that's a, an early test, a ranked opponent. It's in Kinnick, which is nice. Iowa State's my first game. Then I have them going to Minnesota – Week two, I think they're – Minnesota's a a red-hot team. They finished the season strong last year. Iowa did beat them, but they only had one other loss the entire season. They're also – I think Minnesota's probably going to be a top 15 ranked team coming into the year. So that's going to be a tough game in Minnesota. I don't know if they'll win it, but let's go. We've beaten them five years in a row. That's week two for me. Week three, this is the one where I wanted to have another road game, but I didn't want it to be a crazy difficult one. So I put at Illinois for my week three. I think I want <laughs> to have I want to have I want to have two home Erroneous. games, two road games. So I did at Illinois because that's on the schedule this year. They made a bowl game last year, so it's not a complete cupcake. I know Illinois blows usually, but they you know they may be a seven win team this year if they play out the whole season. Illinois is week three, and then I conclude the season versus Wisconsin in Kinnick Stadium. That would be my fourth game. I think Iowa – I left off Ohio State and Penn State. They're both road games. In a shortened year, I didn't want Iowa to be like one and three, and it would – you know, that <laughs> would suck or even two and two. I'm looking for three and one, four and oh, ideally, and then build that resume with some tough games. So, those are my –
2: All right, Champ, can I just ask you the question? Is Illinois going to be either an entertaining game for you or a resume game to help with the playoff
0: chances? Yes, it's going to be entertaining because they're going to smack them around like they usually do, and that entertains me. So, And, yes, it could be a resume builder if if Illinois is a decent team. You should have
1: picked Nebraska then. It's a road game. I didn't
0: want to have – it was between – Nebraska's at home. I know. I, I didn't want to have three home games. I wanted to have two road, two home. That's why I want Illinois. Oh, my God. All right, I man. knew you guys were going to love the Illinois pick, but I, I didn't want to put Penn State or Ohio State and Minnesota with two road games. I, it's just I'm, not I'm a going out of a
1: limb and saying this is the worst schedule of the three <laughs> of us. So. Okay.
0: Let's hear yours then, big boy. Yeah. All right, big boy. What do you got?
1: All right. So right off the top, we're going to Minnesota and we're playing them right away. I want to take the pick home right from the get-go. I think Minnesota is probably a top 20 team, not so much sold on the fact that they're a top 15 team, but I think Iowa has oh, came-
0: Those five rankings are is such a huge difference.
1: I'm just saying, I don't think it's as good as what you're saying, but I think Iowa can go on the road right away, get a big-time key road victory, a trophy game, which is always important, and we, we do tend to beat up on Minnesota. So, you know what, I want that right away. I want to beat P.J. Fleck. That's a great way to start a very small season of four games. Now, where you and I disagree, Champ, is the fact that, like, If we're going to have a season with just four games, I and this this is a stance that I've had since we started this podcast, I want Iowa to go in there and I want to play the best teams and I want them to have the best chance to make the playoff. You're not going to make the playoff by playing Illinois. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. So what's the best way to have it happen? If Iowa goes right back on the road to Ohio State and plays Justin Fields. Right back on the road.
0: Right back on the road. You want to start with two road games at Minnesota and at Ohio State. I love it.
1: Not only do I want to start with two road games, I want to start with three road games. Then they're going to Penn State because I want revenge at Penn State so badly, and I'll be going again to both those games, whether it's COVID or not. So I will be in attendance for both of those games, selfishly. And honestly, for me as a fan, those are going to be great games because Iowa always seems to play up to their talent. So I want Iowa to continuously play top 20 teams, let's say, including Minnesota. So right at the how'd, top, that,
0: how'd that work out to the playing up to their talent this year against Michigan, Wisconsin? Well, and Nate
1: Stanley's not the quarterback anymore. We already turned the page on that. Spencer Petris, the gunslinging god, is here to lead Iowa into the next generation of offense. Did you not see them against USC? Does that not matter anymore?
0: It matters.
1: It matters. And if there's one thing that I know is that this team's coming together, they're solidifying, they're galvanizing around themselves. So three road games right off the top, going 3-0, and and then... They have Wisconsin come to Kinnick Stadium. And to get to the playoff, to win the Big Ten, you smack Big Brother in the mouth, go 4-0 on that beautiful slate where we all have games. And, again, it's another trophy game. So I got two trophy games, and I got two road games against big-time talent on the other side of the conference. And there's no questions anymore about where Iowa
0: belongs. So before you go, D.C., I just have – I mean – what Jer is saying that you're not going to beat you're not going to get to you know the final four or the playoff by beating teams like Illinois have you looked at clemson's schedule the last 5 years they beat they play this is such a Clemson plays beats teams such like 60 points they yeah, do it in the and sec and they play garbage teams every here, year
1: again here you're going you're 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 doing an argument that we hate when it's our turn to be 10, 10 and 0 or 12 and 0 you play what's on your schedule so if Clemson's blowing these teams out by 60 points, I don't have a problem with that because we all know, we all seen it, we all watched that they're that fucking good. Yeah,
0: that, which is why in my four-game schedule, there is two difficult road games, and but, w- and one of them is against but, Minnesota. That's why I'm trying to build champ, up comparing the comparing
2: apples to oranges right now. This is a totally. four-game season. Why not oh, go big? Go big why? as
0: possible. Because I don't want to go you're one like, and
2: three. That's because, why well, I didn't want to well, go big. I agree. Champ, I agree with you, but – you have to everybody else is also playing a four-game schedule. So if if everybody in the com- in the country goes four and oh, you gotta figure out a way to get in. You gotta separate two, yourself. like
1: if you're gonna go two and two, is it really that much like a, on a four-game season? So is you, it really what
0: you're much saying much? is you'd rather go th- I'd go rather one and take one the Giants and you'd rather go I one go. and three against Giants than three and one against cupcakes or four and, 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 and
1: and then and go to the outback bowl again?
0: Yes. Okay, that's fair, that's a fair assessment. And as is
2: usual with this show, I fall right in the middle when it comes to how I'm crafting this schedule. Very much like Jerry, I'm kicking off this season on the road in Minneapolis, taking down Minnesota, taking up PJ Fleck, taking his boat and rowing it back to Iowa City for a sixth time in a row. Love it. I'm going to next week, I'm going to next week when I bring it back to Kinnick Stadium. I want to do the wave week two. We're going to have Jim Harbaugh come to town and beat, beat Michigan at home yet again and show him that Iowa City is still schedule. a house of horrors from him. And then I have to go back on the road because I can't end the season on, on the road. Got to find a overrated by-the-media opponent to play. It's got to be Nebraska. I'm going to go out to Lincoln. Another conference win, an overhyped team that people buy into every single year. Let me take Nebraska, and then I'm wrapping up with Wisconsin in Kinnick Stadium at the end of the year. And... To me, the way I broke this down is I need to play three Big time West teams, and I need to play one Big Ten East team. So Michigan's going to be my East and the other, th- other three teams to take out some rivals. D.C. has got up. the
0: best schedule of the four. I mean, this is the most success. Not only do you play some hard teams, I, I shouldn't have thrown Illinois in there. That I- I was a mistake. It was so
1: me. stupid. It was
0: very dumb. we have been
1: better off saying Northwestern.
0: If, it- if I had thrown a team like a Nebraska or a Michigan like D.C. did, I think our schedules would be very comparable. I just think yours is too difficult, Jerome. I, I just don't see them going 4-0 and when three – at least break it up to make it 2-2. and I mean, at least go outside the box so and say – What's the point if we're going to go 2-2? If and two they right? played those four teams that you said and, two of, and one of those three road games were in Kinnick, I still think they'd make the playoffs if, if they went 4-0. and You don't think that they could beat
1: two of Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, and Minnesota? Not with three of them on the road, Well, no. then you already think that we're going to lose the West.
0: Well, no, not necessarily. They can go on the road and lose two of those games and still win the West. I mean, it's true.
1: That's what I just said. You think they win two of those games? Yes, you do. I oh,
0: said yep. they can lose, they can lose, they two, can of lose two of the three of those and still win the West. In, in their actual schedule this year, if they lose two of those, you know, Minnesota, Penn State, Ohio State, especially if they lose to Penn State and Ohio State because they're on the other side. If they lose those two games, they could still get tiebreakers and still win the West.
1: Right. So they'd still have to beat the other two teams that I listed.
0: Yeah, but they are at two home. Two and two. They are at home in those two games. <laughs> that's why that's the argument that we're no,
1: having. It's at Minnesota.
0: Okay, that's one win. I said they can win one of the three. They beat Minnesota, then they beat Wisconsin at home. That's and then ex- they beat Ohio State. Okay, so you're just getting a little crazy. I would, I mean, believe me, I would love for them to beat Ohio State. They have a much better chance of beating Penn State, but that's neither here nor there.
2: Well, it's here and there, really. We are getting very close to football season if we're having these hypothetical debates on schedules. We cannot wait. We're just going to keep the football talk going. We're going to start previewing the season position group by position group. It's going to take us right into a full, formal, proper Iowa preview. We got to kick things off by positions. We're going to start with the defensive line because we had some defensive line news the past or this week, especially with a with new uh, grad transfer coming in. But let's preview the defensive line. We're going to talk about who's left the program, who's coming back, who's joining the team. We're going to throw an over-under at you to make the make everybody pick here. We're going to compare this unit to the rest of the units in the Big Ten. And I'm, we're going to make – we can't get out of here without some predictions. So we want to know what the biggest question mark of this unit is going into the season, your under-reaction re, under prediction, and an over-reaction prediction to wrap up the show. Guys, sound good? Beautiful. All right, let's kick it off with what needs to be replaced. Everybody knows A.J. Epinesa went in the NFL draft. So that is 22 sacks. They'll pass two seasons off the board from, from in terms of production, but also leaving the program this year, Cedric Lattimore and Brady brief very consistent contributors along the defensive line guys who played their best football their last year on Iowa city last year. So in, from a very top of the place, how concerned are you in terms of the holes that have been generated
1: from who is left? Jerry, we'll start with you. Hey, you I'm concerned and it's not so much the Brady reef and Cedric Lattimore piece of it. Cause I do think that there's people in positions there that can fill in, but we're talking pre-show a little bit and kind of picking fun at it. The, the sack numbers that are left behind by AJ Epinesa are extremely concerning. Um, Iowa, I think we can all agree wasn't a very good sack defense last year. Um, and for a team that had such a great secondary play, um and were often locking down if not one piece of the field uh, half of the field they, they were probably locking down both for them not to land home more um was kind of a little bit of a disappointment so there's definitely room for improvement there but on top of it i think they weren't that great in the run uh defense either i know they were about fourth in the big 10 but still giving up over 100 yards a game um and the way that iowa likes to play generally especially in the big 10 slate that seems like a little too much
2: yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Champ. What are your thoughts on on the holes being left on the Iowa defensive line?
0: So I'm going to save my A.J. Epinesa thoughts for a little bit later in the show. Jared touched on them there. I, I agree with most of what he said. To me, losing Brady Reef and Cedric Lattimore is going to be a bigger loss than a lot of people think. Whoa. I think I think they were both very consistent, especially – I'm just going off of base of last year. I, I understand yeah. – Throughout the, their four years of college, they maybe weren't the most consistent players. But last year, Cedric Lattimore especially was very good against the run. I mean, chair mentioned they were they were fourth in the Big Ten against the run, which is, you know, a t- the top third of the conference against the run. And Cedric Lattimore and Brady Reef both primarily played, I think they both played at least 70% of downs last year as your D-tackle. So. That's a lot of play production that you have to get rid of and a lot of consistency that you need to have replaced within that group. And I'm actually pretty concerned about the D-tackles. I know they didn't get a lot of love. I know neither of them got drafted. They weren't like, you know, huge names like I was had in the past. You know, a Jaleel Johnson, I'll say, a guy that got drafted like that or even like a Mitch King going back to our days. Carl Davis, exactly. You know, Clue guys like that. But th- these guys were consistent players, and I think it's going to be more difficult to replace them than a lot of people are anticipating. So I, I'm, a, I'm pretty nervous about replacing those two guys.
2: Uh, you guys are both right. Uh, Jerry, you said that this wasn't a very good sacking defense last year. And if you look the number, the total number of sacks, 33, 30 is that benchmark for for the Iowa defenses of being good and having good seasons. It's like kind of the same of, of rushing for over 100 yard stat. But if you look at this game by game, there are a lot of games on this schedule last year where they had only one or two sacks for the entire game. That's concerning, and it's more concerning when somebody like A.J. Epinesa, who accounted for so many of those sacks, is no longer on this team. So going going into this year, that's going to be the biggest thing, is how can they find a way to generate pressure and to the point where they're getting more than two sacks a game consistently throughout the season.
1: I will say too, though, kind of just being on the more optimistic side of it, since I kind of got the pessimistic piece off first. When I feel like between the twenty yard lines, Iowa was a little more loose, but any time teams got into the red zone, and it's it's typical Phil Parker and Parker any sort of Parker defense you pick either or Norm Phil whatever that it's the bend but don't break. And even like if you look at those rushing stats a little bit more, yeah, they're giving up you know almost one hundred and fifteen yards a game but they really didn't give up that many rushing touchdowns. So, like, in in where it mattered, the Iowa defense, especially the defensive line, they were at least creating pressure and or containing everything in front of them. Or, like we mentioned a lot during the season, they were filling in and taking on those blocks so the linebackers behind them could then fill in and make those plays.
0: Yeah, that's so that's, a, that's, that's a big thing. Like, you you correct. mentioned containing. That's a, a great word to use besides AJ Epinesa last year on, the, on this defensive line that's what they did they contained they didn't allow huge plays they may not have gotten the pass rush that we wanted outside of AJ Epinesa but they didn't allow you know gouge rushes for 40 right. 50 yards they contained and like Jer said they you know st- ha- held up those guys so that linebackers can come and make plays and that I mean we may not have the, the stat book on Brady reef and Cedric Lattimore may not have been like super impressive, but what, what they did consistently on that D line was, you know, take up rushers, take up blockers, so that linebackers can make plays. So we'll, we'll see. I, I I think there's a lot to be desired with some of these D tackles that are going to have to replace them.
2: No, I mean, Champ, you're hundred percent right. It was, a, you know, stopping the run, they averaged three and a half yards, a, a, carry basically last year throughout the whole season, which doesn't sound that great of a number, but when you compare it to previous defenses for Iowa, it's it's up there in terms of the best yards per game, yards per carry average. Yeah. Yep. But let's be as being more optimistic here. Let's talk about what's coming back. Let's talk about how, what this team is actually going to look like coming in 2020. Coming back, probably the guy, the biggest name on this whole line is Chauncey Golson. You have Austin Schultz, Davion Nixon, Joe Evans. You also have uh, Zach Van Valkenburg, Zach Van Valkenburg, John John Wagner, Wagner, uh, Logan Lee and Noah Shannon. So a lot of guys coming back. I was also dipped into the grad transfer portal to, to help fill out this defensive line. Mm -hmm. Jack, Jack Heflin, and um I always he's the newest guy, Matt Lorbeck, both from NIU have committed to play for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Lorbeck's got two years to finish his one year of eligibility left. And Jack Heflin's going to play this year as a defensive tackle. What are your thoughts on on these reinforcements? I know we we seem to be concerned of the production all there, but there's a lot of depth. Champ, where are you coming? Where are you coming at? mentally with everybody coming back on this offensive
0: line. So there is some names on that, that you mentioned that excite me. I'll, I'll mention a couple guys. I'm, I don't necessarily say Davion Nix Nixon excites me, but he is a guy that I think has to have a big year. He, I mean, he was a pretty highly recruited guy. We expected a lot of things from him. He hasn't lived up to it thus far. It, let's, let's just be honest. He, had, he I I understand he hasn't played the amount of snaps that we all thought he would. But this is a big year. I think he has to step in and be a pretty much every down D tackle. The the Jack Heflin addition from Northern Illinois is huge. I mean, he's a guy. He was second team all Mac last year. He's a guy that's probably going to step in and be an every down D tackle for this team, but they need another guy next to him. And that to me is Davion Nixon. He's going to have to step up. I'm expecting big things from him. I hope he lives up to it. I, I, he, He's going to be a boomer bust type of guy for me this year. I think Phil Parker's going to use him, give him every opportunity at the beginning of this season to win this D.E. tackle job. And if he does, I think he can have a great year. But if he goes in there the first few games and is not getting the job done, I don't think Parker's going to hesitate to replace him. So that that's a guy to me that I'm looking forward and looking to hopefully see has a big year.
1: He needs to be that inside force for – 350-plus snaps this year. Yeah. But the best part about Davion Nixon, I, I think the reason that we all get so excited for him, and I think last year at this time we did the previews, I mentioned it as well, he's got such flexibility, and he's built like a guy that should be in Alabama, not in Iowa. Like, he's athletic. And he Alabama
2: wanted him. Correct. Yeah. And, and he, he thought a-
1: about going to Alabama and leaving Iowa. Um, he's got that – that he could play defensive end. I think Phil moved him in and out a little bit last year just to kind of get a feel for that. I'm hoping that another year in – God, I'm going to whisper this, the weight room uh, probably helped his case a little bit as far as becoming NFL-ready and Iowa-ready and, and Big Ten-ready. Um, but if he can be out on the field and Phil can trust him to be out there to continuously make plays, I think he can be the wrecking ball for this defense and a big-time reason why Iowa – maybe if the offense is struggling at first because of the new quarterback situation – That they again lean on their defense, and he's just one of those wreckers up up the middle.
2: Yeah. I mean, is there anybody else besides Davian Nixon, Jared, that excites you that's come and who can kind of have an impact on this defensive line?
1: I mean, listen, Chauncey Golson is the definition of just like consistent. Like, we know we're going to get from him. I don't think, like, I think he's that next guy in line of the guys that Champ mentioned a little bit ago. Like the Mitch Kings, the Matt Krolls, all those types of dudes. I think Chauncey Golson embodies that Iowa defensive lineman. I think he's up for a big year. I do worry a little bit because I think this year his, a lot of his success was because A.J. was getting so much attention from the offensive line and the offensive coaches. So now this year it's going to be him kind of taking that on. Um, but I am, I'm really excited for Jack Keflin. And I don't know if you want to get there yet, but do it. this is my dude. We're talking about the Northern Illinois most valuable player. He's coming in, and he should be an immediate starter at defensive tackle or defensive end. Whatever Phil wants to do, he could probably play a little bit of both. Um, three force fumbles uh, last year, three sacks, eight-and-a-half tackles for a loss, and he's always wanted to be an Iowa hot guy. And he's 6'4", 320.
0: He's big. Huge. He's not going to – you talk okay. about hitting the weight room. He's not going to have to hit the weight room. He's coming in ready.
1: We DC kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier. We're going to do an overreaction prediction. I'm just going to lay one on you as right now. I think that Jack Huflin, his whole situation setting up perfectly to have a Mitch King um c- Junior season, where he goes for 58 tackles, 14 and a half of those for a loss, and about four and a half to five sacks. Ooh,
0: that's what mean, I'm that's anticipating good year. for Jack. That's Hufflin a huge year. year.
2: And I, I don't think you're wrong. I think he is probably the guy I'm most excited to see have this impact. And let's let's try to, like, space this out. Third third and long, who are the four guys you want on the defensive line if you are Phil Parker? For me, it's going to be Troncy Golson on the yep. end. It's going to be Joe Evans on the end. It's going to be Davion Nixon in the middle, and it's going to be Jack Heflin in the middle. Those are the four guys I want rushing the passer on the third and longs.
0: Yeah, that's – I mean, Joe Evans showed last year that he can come in and situate situationally pass rush. He's he's another guy. You mentioned the weight room. He's probably going to have to hit the weight room a little bit, but yeah, I mean that those are your four guys you want out there when it's a third and seven and you need to get to the quarterback.
1: Joe Evans has a little bit of that. Like Parker Hesse, Nate Meyer in him. Yeah. yeah, And that's the perfect guy for third and long. Just perfect.
2: That speed rush guy. So we we talked about Jack Hefflin a little bit. We also got the other NIU transfer Matt Lorbeck. What do you guys think? So, Jerry, you're really high on Jack Heflin. What's your, what do you think your impact is on Matt Lorbeck? I think we have a little bit of disagreement there.
1: Yeah, to me, he's a, he's a break glass and emergency kind of guy. I, I, think we've, I mean, we've mentioned six, seven names at this point, all of which I think Iowa's high on, so I should be high on as well because if there's anything I'm going to trust that the Iowa system says, it's the defense at this point. I think we all agree on that. Phil Parker Absolutely. knows what he's doing. They've had – I mean, look, guys, since 2017, can I read you a list of names that was as said goodbye to? Lay yes, me. please. Matt Nelson, Parker Hesse, Anthony Nelson, A.J. Epinesa, Cedric Lattimore, Brady Reef, and Sam Brinks. Those are some good fucking football players. Yeah. So Absolutely. if Iowa can produce that type of talent in the last two years, I have no doubt that these guys that are next in line are going to be able to fill in just fine. So, to me, if this guy has, a, you know, two years to fill out one, you you get him in four games at the end of the season, or if somebody were to get injured, if something happens to Davion Nixon or something were to happen to Golston, then you break the, you break the
0: glass and you insert him into the lineup.
2: Champ, what are your thoughts on um, Matt Lorbeck's impact in his first year in Iowa City?
0: Uh, I think – Well, I don't want to steal your thunder, DC, but I know I think you're going to, you think he's going to have a pretty big impact. I'm probably right in the middle of you two. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to redshirt this year. I think he's going to, they're going to play him throughout the season. And I think he's going to be more of a situational guy, whether he comes in to rush the passer or to even play linebacker. He's got the versatility to do both. I think that's going to be a guy that he's going to, I think this is going to be his one year at Iowa. I don't think they're going to drag it out and i think he's going to have a decent impact i'm not looking for him to be have you know be a top 3 or 4 player on this unit but i think he can come in and make some plays and i like his versatility that to me is nice
2: and that versatility is my big point i don't know what his impact's going to be but i i see what he did at northern illinois i see he has that experience on a defensive line that just needs more experience on it and i and i see phil parker looking at a potential toy a potential piece to to mix and match on defense if it's a clear running down maybe he takes a guy like Lorbeck who played inside linebacker at northern Illinois as, as well as defensive end and moves him back back a level maybe he has it there for a, a run stopping option I think he has the experience he provides that that versatility champ like you said that kind of is very enticing to use and I agree with you I don't think he's going to really use him Try to use the full two I think they want to bring him in. They have a ton of depth in the defensive line coming in up up in future years. So let's get him in, use him, and you know see what he can do contribute to on defense on defense.
1: Yeah, listen. If Joe Evans or, or Zach Van Valkenberg or even John Wagner aren't going to be able to get their asses to the quarterback, Full Parker's going to put him in. This guy has already proven that he can do it at the college level. So if these guys in camp or, or whatever camp is going to look like are having a hard time getting the quarterback then yes, Phil Parker, put him in, use it all up this year because then hopefully those guys who are pretty young, they're all like redshirt sophomores behind them, um, you know, then they'll be ready to go hopefully the next following year.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to the over-under here. So defensive line. So the over-under is going to set it at sacks for the year. That 30 is a magic number. They lost a lot of sacks from A.J. Apinesa for this year. So the I'm going to set this low. I'm going to set it very, very low not that low, but 29 and a half sacks. Are they going over or under that number? Are we going to have that, that 30 plus sack season this year, or is it going to be a a, a year where Phil Parker is trying to get as creative as possible to generate a pass rush? Champ, we'll start with you.
0: I'm going to take the under. I, I just, I, I don't see the consistency. I don't see the ability to get to the pass to the quarterback from this pass rush that we've had maybe in years past. So, I'm going to take the under. I hope I'm pleasantly surprised. I hope Chauncey Golson has a, you know, a 12 sack year. That would be awesome. But right now I just, I, I haven't seen enough from a lot of these guys that are going to be on the field. And I, I know that, you know, Jack Heflin's coming in from NIU, but we haven't watched him play. I mean, I, we've seen the accolades, we've seen, you know, what he's done, but we haven't gotten a chance to watch him play for an entire season. So, I, I'm hoping he has a great year, and I'm, I expect him to have an impact. But to, to get that 30-sack number, I think this is a year where it's going to be under.
2: Chair, why are you taking that over or the under?
1: Um, Justin Fields, Sean Clifford, Tanner Morgan, Brock Purdy, and Adrian Martinez, amongst others. It's going to be really hard to get to the quarterback that often. So I'm going to take the under I think it's going to be closer to 25 than 30.
2: It's not bad, but let me just—I mean, they got Tanner Morgan six times last year.
0: Yeah, they knocked him out of the game. They can cuss them at the end.
1: It's fair. I just—I think the Minnesota line. It's Minnesota, so they're probably going to lose again. And this is, they're going to get sacked twenty times, and then Iowa only has to get ten more. So I mean, I mean,
2: so here's the thing. I mean, Iowa put up over thirty sacks last year, and they really they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games with two sacks or less.
0: Wow. So that means those other five games they won all. They out. had
2: five versus Northwestern, six versus Minnesota, four versus Southern Cal, three
1: versus Penn State. Yeah. And three versus Illinois. I just feel like the schedule is full of competency. So I don't see like they're gonna be able to just like spout off. They're
0: all it's also like you just mentioned, those quarterbacks full of elusive quarterbacks. I mean, those those guys Generally are not speaking, yes, not easy to bring down.
1: Correct.
2: All right. Well, I'm gonna take the over. I'm gonna be the one guy on this on this show taking the over. I believe you have depth. You have rotational pieces. You have the creativity of Phil Parker. We said at the beginning of last year when AJ Panessa wasn't getting the quarterback, Phil, you gotta make something happen. He started setting AJ on stunts. He started bumping guys inside and outside to, to develop a pass rush, to mix and match, create create matchups. I trust Phil Parker's gonna find a way to get these guys to the quarterback. I just fear it's gonna happen.
1: Listen, don't get me wrong. I hope they do. I hope they sack Jack Cohen 30 times alone. Doable.
0: Hopefully. I hope Jack Cohen is the quarterback of Wisconsin. That would be great. Not Graham Mertz. That's my dude. Yeah, I know. I hope they keep Cohen in there. All right, guys. Well, let's spin
2: it around the Big Ten a little bit. Let's compare the Iowa defensive line through a few different teams that are conference conference foes. I feel like going through doing some research here, a lot of these teams – Across the Big Ten has lost a lot of production across the defensive lines, whether it's from outside linebackers who rush the quarterback or just defensive linemen straight up graduating and losing production. Oh, there's not a lot of pass rushing and defensive end or defensive line depth coming back through the Big Ten. So, Tim, I'm gonna put you on the spot: Is Iowa's defensive line unit better than Nebraska's going into 2020?
0: Ah, uh, Nebraska that was that was actually a team that I thought they were better than. I think they are better than Nebraska's. I they're to to me when I when looking at Nebraska, they lost some players, like you said, DC, and I, I think Iowa's D line is going to be slightly better than Nebraska's. I when looking as it as a whole for the entire you know Big Ten and in, in terms of D line and what teams have lost, what are what teams are bringing back, I just think they're right in about the middle of the pack. If you want to say they're ranked, you know, seventh, eighth, I'm not going to argue. They're right there. I think they're, there's definitely units that are better than them, but like there are definitely, yeah, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, Penn State, those teams. I know Ohio State lost a lot, but they, I mean, every year they it's have. It's Ohio State. Great. great defensive linemen, but yeah, they're, I mean, they're going to be, they're going to be right in the middle of the pack for me. So, yeah, I'll say Nebraska, I had Nebraska as one of the lower teams, so yeah, they're they're better than Nebraska, I think.
2: All right, Jared, where are you, you going to put Iowa at compared to Nebraska in terms of defensive line?
1: Above Nebraska for sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I also say above Nebraska. I, I feel like they have a lot of similarities. They lose three. Each each unit loses three guys off the defensive line. Nebraska Nebraska adds a JUCO transfer as well um, to, to kind of help reinforce there, but Iowa was better than the Nebraska line, defensive line last year. And I just feel like Iowa still has enough pieces there to stay ahead of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's Nebraska. So fuck them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's keep it with another rival. Let's keep it with the Minnesota Gophers, Another team that lost a lot of production. They have lost in, from it left the career sacks of 53 and a half tackles and 27 and a half career sacks left the program Everything I read about Minnesota, they're claiming there's a ton of depth in the defensive line. But I feel like, as we know, if you don't have depth that has experience, it's not might not be that good. Champ, is Iowa better or worse than the Minnesota defensive line unit?
0: I think they're slightly worse than Minnesota. I think Minnesota, I have them ranked as like fifth or sixth in terms of the Big Ten, in terms of their D-line. You mentioned they have a lot of depth coming back. They they did lose some senior production that was very good last year and were pretty solid throughout their career. But yeah, they have a ton of depth on that line. I think they're some of the guys that they have coming back have proven a little bit more to me on the field than I was guys have. So I'm gonna I have Minnesota ranked slightly ahead of the Hawkeyes. So they're worse, I would say.
2: I st- I I am such a I'm calling my shot already. This is the first position we've previewed. But I'm calling Minnesota's taking a very large step back going into this year, and I think part of that is the defensive line. And I think Iowa's a, a head and shoulders are better than what Minnesota's got coming back on the defensive line going into this year. So count me in as Iowa being better. Jer, what do you say?
1: Is uh, that Carter Coughlin kid still on the squad? Um, the that's defensive a good end. Good question. I'm trying
0: no, to pull up. I'm pretty sure he graduated.
1: Well, if he graduated, then was definitely better than their defensive line.
2: Just one kid makes all the
1: difference? Yes. I mean, and we're talking about if AJ was still here, wouldn't we be like, Iowa, top two? No problem. Wisconsin, I don't care that you're bringing back nine guys. Fuck you. Iowa's better. <laughs> he's not wrong.
2: Yeah, I believe he's gone. Yeah, he was a senior last year. So yeah, yeah. He, he, so he, he, he see got... you
1: later. I, uh, he's I was also a
2: linebacker, off... so...
1: He uh, got he, he got that. drafted – uh,
0: I think he got drafted by, like, the Giants or something, I want to say. He played but,
1: end a lot. They moved him around. But nice. I, to go off your sentiment the D.C., I also think Minnesota, who, like, barely squeaked by how many – a half of those games are going to take a big step back this year, and Luck, Lady Locke's not going to be on their side as often.
2: I totally agree. Champ, you alluded to them earlier. Ohio State, they don't just lose five-star talent. They just replenish with more five-star talents – Zach Harrison's going to be the guy pegged to replace Chase Young. They also lost three other guys: Devon Hamilton, Robert Landers, and Jahan Cornell. It, it just seems like they don't miss a beat. They lost basically four defensive linemen, and no one's worried about the defensive. Yeah, linemen. Do-
0: It doesn't matter. They're gonna. I. They'll probably <laughs> be the top unit. Zach Harrison's yes. going to be the best defensive lineman in the in the Big Ten. I think. I That's think
2: scary. It's just. It's you have to add. You had to put him on here, but it just they're more, DNU now. Marvel. Huh? I mean, Just to marvel at what they and do. And quarterback
0: you. This is just what they do. I mean, they've had DNs drafted, what, in the top five the last three drafts? I mean, that's insane. It's just – it's
2: unbelievable. So, obviously, Ohio State has a better defensive line despite losing almost everybody. Let's go back to another unit that's bringing back a lot, Penn State. I think the only loss that I could find was, was Gross Matos going as uh, off mm-hmm. of the D-line. D they returned over half of their sacks from last season. They returned 61% of their tackles for loss. Adisa Isaac is the be- is the backup, racked up three tackles for losses in 11 games as a freshman. So he's going to be the new guy to come in and, and be disruption on the defensive line. Is, Jerry, you love Penn State seemingly <laughs> all the time. Are they
1: going to be a better defensive line unit than Iowa? Uh, yeah, Penn State. Uh, right now, if I had to give you just like a broad, broad defensive ranking, it would probably be Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Iowa. You see, I have
2: Penn State number one. I think Penn State's defense is returning a lot, and you have to give that experience an edge over Ohio State. Not saying Ohio State won't be right up there, but Penn State is just, I think, going to be
0: scary. Good it's – Isaac scares me, bro. I mean, he was a freshman last <laughs> year, and when he was on the field, he fucking made plays, and he's going to play primarily – he's going to take cross model spot, I think. He's going to be playing – 75, 80% of the downs, if that. And he is a physical freak, <laughs> fast off that edge. It's going to be scary. And that D-tackle, I mean, his name is escaping me, the big white boy that's continuously well, – What about
1: Micah Parsons, who's probably one of the best defensive ends in well, the entire that, conference? That,
0: you everybody knows Micah Parsons. But, I mean, Isaac is a guy who not a lot of people have heard about, but he is a physical, gifted player that's going to get to the quarterback. And what is the D-tackle's name? The guy who hit Stanley in the mouth about 15 times last year. he I think he's coming back. So, yeah, Penn State to me is right up at the top. It's one or two uh, in terms of D-lines in the Big Ten. Antonio Shelton? No. P.J. Mustafer? No. Judge Culpepper? No. Maybe he's gone then. That would be great if he was. <laughs> But That's yeah. basically all of them. <laughs> yeah, I think he left then. But, yeah, he was a beast. But either way, yeah, I, just, I mean, they're bad. They're, I mean, they're bad as in like they're a bad unit. Like they're going to hurt some teams.
2: They're the PH bad.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: All right, let's go to the program that in the West that we are still looking up at, always looking up at. They play a 3-4, so they defensive the line. Nebraska? Nope, not them. Uh, <laughs> We are – they play a 3-4 defense, so the defensive line also includes that we're going to throw those outside linebackers in. They have to replace Zach Bond and Chris Orr on the, on the outside edge for linebackers. They return their hole basically up front. They're
0: three down linemen. But is Wisconsin's
2: defensive line you, going to be better than Iowa's this year, champ?
0: The, those, the Orr and Bond losses are going to hurt them in terms of getting to the quarterback. I don't think they have a proven, you know, outside edge rusher that is going to consistently get to the quarterback. But like you said, they they returned three defensive line starters. So just by that, you have to say Wisconsin's probably slightly ahead of the Hawkeyes. I think I had them. Where did I have them? I had them as number six on my ranking. So I, I had Iowa as eight. So yeah, slightly.
2: I, I th- I'm gonna say no because I just I value pass rushing on the defensive line, and I think when you play in a three four, I think we see you with the Bears is your outside linebackers aren't getting there to the quarterback a lot. It's going to be really hard to have a good de- disruptive defensive line because you ask a lot of your three-down linemen to to eat up space and not really prioritize getting the quarterback. And I also just – I always forget this until I actually like watch Wisconsin play, but I always forget they play a 3-4 now. It, oh, it still messes me up all the time. I'm used to them being exactly I Iowa, playing 4-3 and getting in there, but playing a 3-4 is just so different in, to me – Having to replace two outside linebackers that have that much of a pass rush, it's going to be really hard. Jer, what do you think?
1: I mean, they have a solid rotation, right? I mean, they have guys that they mm-hmm. can plug in and out. There's one dude that's coming back. I think he had what, a knee injury or two from last season that's going to be fully healthy. Um, there's like louder milk kid who I, I know that they have high hopes for. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say Mitch, uh, Wisconsin has a better defensive unit than Iowa. Um Because, like, again, these teams are the same. They're they're built the same way. Yeah, they might be running a 3-4, but you know what you're going to get out of Wisconsin. It's going to be guys that go out there, they're hard-nosed, they do their job, and they bend, but don't break. Yeah. And they're better at doing that right now, unfortunately.
2: Unfortunately, they are. Let's wrap this up here with Michigan real quick. Oh, the victors. Talk... Talked a little bit about them. Uh, you know, we got some depth of the defensive end coming back. They got some questions in the middle. Don Brown, Don Brown was saying pre, in the spring that his goal is to create different situational pass rush situations for his team to leverage the depth they have on at defensive end. So that means going to be bumping guys inside and doing four defensive ends on the line to, to create a pass rush. If they're having to do that, are they a better defensive line than Iowa champ?
0: Yes, unfortunately they are. They, it's. I'm just having flashbacks upon flashbacks of us at in Ann Arbor last year and Nate Stanley just getting drilled oh left and right, just consistently – whether they were – Don Brown likes to blitz. I mean, there, there's, there's no question about that. So he's going to find a way to get to the quarterback. It may burn them on some plays. You know, they may give up some big plays, but they're going to get pressure one way or the other. If they're not getting it from their front four, he's going to bring – five, six, seven guys, secondary guys, safeties. He doesn't give a shit. He's just going to get pressure on you no matter how. So, yeah, I, I think Michigan is in the top five in terms of D-line units uh, in the Big Ten. So, yeah, I would put them uh, ahead of the Hawkeyes.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think we have to go through the rest of the Big Ten. I think Iowa, again, it, they were in the middle last year in terms of when it comes to sacks. I think they're going to be right there in the middle again this year, it's like Champ yep. said. That six, seven, eight range, I think they might be a little bit higher. Uh, but let's go into the, let's go into our predictions here. Wrap the show up this week. Your biggest question mark on the Iowa defensive line is Jericho. It's
1: 1000%. Who's going to fill in for AJ Panessa? I uh, don't, there's not an answer yet. I think we all have hopes and dreams. I, I, but I just don't think there's a really that there's that. I, I def- hope
2: we all have hopes and dreams, Jer.
1: Well, let's say hey, it's 2020. <laughs> you just get to constant kick in the nuts. Um, but, yeah, I don't know who's going to fill that role in right now. I don't know if Iowa knows who's going to fill in that role right now. A.J. Panessa was a once-in-a-lifetime type talent when they recruited him, when they landed him, and then when he just decided to go to the NFL a year early. So, um, uh, hopefully they're going to be able to find something with Jack Halflin or, or even Johnson Golson. but I'm worried that the ends aren't going to be able to get the job done this year. That's my biggest question mark.
2: Champ, what's your biggest question mark?
0: It's—I mean—that's—it's got to be AJ replacing AJ Panessa. Jair's exactly right. It's to me, it's not even replacing his numbers and what he did on the field, you know, sack wise or you know, force fumble wise or tackle for loss. It's got getting consistent double teams. I mean, and that's what he did all year. He got consistent double teams yeah. and created one on ones for other players on this defense to make plays. There's no way Joe Evans is sacking the quarterback four times unless A.J. Epinesa was taking double teams all year. There, I mean, so to me, it's uh, finding that guy on this D-line that can, you know, a- attract a double team so other guys can make plays. And right now, I don't know if there's a guy on this team. that I mean, Chauncey Golson's probably going to get double teamed a little bit at the beginning, just to see. And I, But I don't know if he's going to be able to still get to the quarterback or create any sort of havoc when getting those double teams.
2: Yeah, I mean that that's my biggest question it's specifically to Chauncey Golson. It's <sighs> it's he's going to get an opportunity now to on pass on pass rushing downs to line up outside. What is he going to do with that? What how is he going to handle being the guy with a target on his back? Because I do think to your point, I I don't think he's gotten really a chance to shine being that defensive end that has to bump inside on pass rushdowns. mm Mhm. So now he's going to get that opportunity mm-hmm. to, to stay outside. What's he going to do with that opportunity? And can Joe Evans, off of name from in production from last year, draw some attention and let him be disruptive? Can Jack Heflin do what he did in Northern Illinois in the MAC? do it at the Big Ten to free up Chauncey Golston to go get some sacks? That, to me, is the biggest question mark because I do think he has the biggest opportunity in front of him going into this year. 100%. So we'll go to some predictions. We want an underreaction and typical Spoko Jerry like form, an overreaction to preview to predict the defensive line for the 2020 season. Champ, I'll start with you with your underreaction prediction.
0: So my underreaction prediction, I picked a specific player. And to me, Chauncey Golston, I know we've talked about him a lot, but I am not expecting a huge year from him. To be honest, I, I think he may get replaced in the rotation by some of these other guys because, to me, he just – I don't know if he has that, like, it factor to be an every-down defensive end. So my underrated prediction is that Chauncey Golson plays less than 50% of the snaps this year for the Hawkeyes defense. Oof. That would be not a great
2: prediction, Jerry. What's your underreaction prediction?
0: I mean, oh it's my not God, great, but champ.
1: Jesus Christ. I, I, I fifth,
0: mean, you he want a, an he said
2: underreaction. You not want like an underreaction.
0: I just, I just don't know if I see it from Chauncey.
1: I think he's going to play for sure.
0: <laughs> well, he's not going to play if he's not getting to the quarterback.
1: <laughs> I mean, I will give you that same old thing they always do like, well, he's doing the things that we ask him to do on off the field. No, no,
0: no, no. We'll um,
1: see. My underreaction, and I guess it's a. I guess we just call this a pessimistic reaction, almost too. Um, I'm going to say that the total amount of sacks Iowa gets, more than half of them come from players outside of the line. So I'm I'm looking at Nick hmm. Neiman. I'm looking at like a Jack Campbell. I'm looking at a uh, Colbert. I'm looking at cornerback blitzes. I'm looking at Phil dialing up some weird pressures. John some- Meriwether
0: just flying in there and drilling people.
1: Jack corner, if his foot's healthy. I mean, this whole thing, we just, uh, I just, I'm worried about the sacks and where those totals are coming from. So that's my underreaction.
2: Yeah. And that's kind of along the lines of mine, but I do think Chauncey Golston flashes a little bit, especially in non-conference play and then become big time play. He's going to be taken out of seemingly every pass rushing situation because the rest of the defense just isn't defensive isn't just generating any pressure. So you're going to have, especially in a four, two, five, Putting a lot of pressure on that secondary to make sure they're covering and covering for a long time potentially if no one's generating type of pass rush and as you guys allude to all the quarterbacks Iowa has to play this year, guys who can extend plays, keep keep plays live by by scrambling a little bit and forcing the action to do as long as possible. It's not going to be good for a secondary that that needs. I don't think they need a lot of help, but they just do need a little bit of defensive line help to pass rush to keep that pressure off them. So yeah, that's my under underreaction prediction is. Chauncey Golson's negated a lot come Big Ten play, and the rest of the defensive line just isn't stepping up. All right, Jer, you are our resident optimist. Give us your overreaction, your overly optimistic prediction.
1: Davion Nixon is a top 15 NFL draft pick after the season. He's leaving early. He's dominating on film. All those guys I mentioned earlier, Justin Fields, Sean Clifford, who gives a rip? Davion Nixon's not only going to bull rush the shit out of these guys and plant them into the turf, but he's going to make all of them look like Nate Stanley against the Michigan Wolverines. Davion Nixon is going to be a top 15. NFL prospect when the season is over with he's got the body he's got the athleticism he's got everything you want in a defensive tackle slash defensive end and he is going to be one of the best Iowa Hawkeye prospects on the defensive line in the history of the Kirk Ferentz era that is how you do an overreaction
2: that's that's a pretty damn good overly uh optimistic prediction there Champ, what is your overreaction, overly optimistic prediction? The floor
0: is yours. To go quickly off of the Davion Nixon point that Chair made, I agree with him that I think he's going to be a very good player. The top 15, that is just a mind-blowing that he would say that. It's Age-
1: overreaction. You can <laughs> overreact. Is okay, not- that
0: – that's fine. I I hope that would be absolutely wonderful if that happens. I
1: mean, play the game champ. All
0: All right, fine. I'll go a little higher with, I'm not going to go top 15 high, but I think Joe Evans is not only going to be your starting defensive end opposite of Chauncey Golston. I think Joe Evans is going to have double digit sacks this year. And I also think Joe Evans is going to play 85% of the downs. That's how much I believe in Joe Evans. I think he's going to, He's going to look a lot different coming into this year. I think he's going to bulk up a little bit, but he's still going to have that speed, that little spark off the edge, a la Parker Hesse, like Jer mentioned earlier. I think that's going to be the Joe Evans role this year. 85% of the downs, double-digit sacks. He's going to get those one-on-ones, and he's going to make some plays.
2: Here's my prediction. I'm going to start with a question for both of you. Do, you guys, do either of you know what the Iowa single season record for team sacks are? Team sacks. Team sex. so the team the number of sacks that the def- the entire defense has gotten in a season.
0: I'm gonna guess it's probably in the mid 40s. Okay, Jared, do you have a guess? I'm gonna say 39. It is 61.
1: Holy shit. Oh my God.
2: <laughs> what they're year was new, that? They're <laughs> citing a new single season sack record this oh,
1: year. Oh, when was this? Where
2: 1991.
0: 61. Holy you shit. You think they're going to get 62 sacks this year? That's like an average of almost I six a it. game. My this Lord. defensive
2: line, every single spot. We go back to earlier in the show when I said your, th- your third and long pass rushing set is Joe Evans. Davion Nixon, Jack Heflin, and Chauncey Golston. That unit is going to wreck terror all season long. That team, and plus you have Phil Parker dialing up creative defensive cornerback blitzes, nickelback blitzes, cash blitzes. You can even call them those if cash. you really want to. This defensive line unit is going to break this new school record for sacks I truly believe that there there's a way that every one of those guys are going to reach their full potential and take the complete pressure off that secondary and just disrupt quarterbacks all year
0: long I mean that would line up perfectly with me and Jar's predictions if I mean, they get my guys if,
1: definitely going top 15 the if, if they get, they get 60
0: something sacks Joe Evans is going to have to have double digit sacks and Davion Nixon's going to have to be an absolute physical force and probably get double digit sacks himself Wow. And if I'm wrong, someone who
2: has the Iowa media book that I looked this looked this up before the, the show needs to fix that because I, I saw that and I my eyes just jumped out of my head when I saw that number. I mean, that is so high.
1: Hopefully it's more. 75 Dave still <laughs> takes it. Seventy six pound it. <laughs> Any Love
2: other it. parting shots? on the defensive line preview as we start the 2020 college football preview here on Spoko Radio
1: I'm pitching a tent over here I don't think I need anything else
0: <laughs> Yeah I mean 60 something sacks that, I mean I expect that out of Jerome to say something like that but for DC to well, come out and say that
2: wow it's the over it's the overly optimistic portion of the show we have to where we
0: as Spokal Radio have right? a duty
2: of a duty to our listeners to be overly optimistic.
0: I'm going to have to, next week for our our next position group, I'm going to have to come out with something bigger. You I,
1: obviously were not overreacting, you were reacting.
0: I mean, I thought I, I thought I was pretty excited about the Joe Evans number, but then you two did yours and mine just seems like shit compared to those <laughs>
1: <two>. Yeah, <laughs> step up your overreaction theory. Next yeah. week,
0: it's going to be a big time overreaction going to be beautiful
2: we'll, we'll figure out who to preview next what position group to preview next week make sure you guys give us your overly optimistic predictions on twitter at shy people's champ at jerry sherwin at dave cray at bhgp make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast wherever you guys listen to your podcasts and share this with your friends we'll uh, we'll be back next week to preview maybe an offensive side of the ball position group going into uh the 2020 football season for champ for Jer. i i'm dc Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Liverpool.
0: Fuck soccer.
1: (laughs) Trick or treat, Iowa City. If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.